RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. All right, Monday night. It's been a while, and yet here we are, Mission Log Live-ish. We're calling it a mini Mission Log Live. Um, I'm John Champion, and, and you are... Uh, I am Norman Lau, but I'm doing my very best possible impersonation of one Thomas Sullivan Magnum. However, I'm not nearly as handsome, nor nearly as mustached, but I do have a Detroit Tigers hat on, of which I have no knowledge about. So I'm pretty much winning in every possible term that's not winning. It's good, and you're on the bridge of the Enterprise, so I mean, that's that's pretty rocking anyway. I mean, classic. It's, I love the classic aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, man. And I like how you unplanned, you're wearing the Quarks t-shirt and I'm in Quarks Bar, but not just any Quarks Bar. I'm at the Star Trek, the experience Quarks Bar. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Sadly, that's, that's sadly I, I never made it to that Hilton experience. I know. Oh, dude, you didn't? No, I know. I didn't realize that. It was so... Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we'll just have to do a whole other show about it. I have done a show about it in the past. We'll do another <laughs> show about it because it was so good. Hey, look, uh, welcome to you and welcome to the people who are watching. This is, uh, we're technically still on hiatus with Mission Log Live and we'll come back, uh, definitely when they make an announcement about the return date for Discovery season three. But, um, a lot of you have written in. And said, hey, uh, where have you been? <laughs> we, we, we would have talked track on a Monday night. Uh, there's so much to catch up on. And of course, this week there was some big news, which we will talk about in just a second. So tonight we're really, we're really unformatted, unscripted. Uh, we may not go the whole hour. Uh, we're not taking calls tonight, but don't worry. I've, I've got the iPad open here. I'm seeing your comments, uh, as we go. So. Lovely to hear what you have to say, and uh, Rod will be joining us in a moment to talk a little bit of Pike as well. So we're just going to keep it casual. We're, we're going to keep it kind of loose tonight. We'll chat a bit, and really this is about checking in with each other, checking in with you, and uh, saying hi to everybody. Yeah, we talked about this for a while, like what we're going to do for Mission Log Live, and you know, obviously we want to make sure that the content is going to be worthwhile for everybody who joins us, because... And this is so special to us for everybody to take of their free time, the free time that they have during the course of this lockdown and join us because I think it's important and uh, that we all still stay connected and stay together and talk about things that are meaningful. Obviously, Trek is meaningful for all of us, but we just want to make sure that you hear our voices to know that we're still out there, to know that we still care about you, our listeners and our fans. And uh, and uh, just to clarify a couple things, John, one, this is not an evil norm. I know that no. some people think that because they haven't <laughs> seen the, the actual yeah. norm, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that evil norm when you had the uh, the goatee? The goatee was evil norm, but it was actually it was a terrible okay. goatee. Um, and I could post something like uh, to that effect later. But I was turning more into like Egg Shen from Big Trouble in Little China rather than <laughs> something that was a little bit more uh, glamorous, like like. Mr. John Champion, because Mr. John Champion's beard. <laughs> There's that, no glamour here. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's glamorous. That, so I'm I'm working on something that's highly controversial and somewhat uh, successful in in varying degrees of an Asian mustache. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Hey, um, so a lot of people who are watching us tonight may not realize that you know when you and I do our Patreon show, so we record the entire 
session for Mission Log. So Wednesday nights we record and then uh, we're posting a week early mission log where we're posting the video and then just you and I having a chat. And one of the things that has become quite regular on that mission log video for people who are in Patreon is um, cocktail of the night. So I don't know if you did. Did you bring something tonight to the live show? John, you know me. Okay. That's you what I wanted me. to hear. What do, what do you got? We'll toast our audience. So I am having a, a really special blend. Uh, that is, uh, it's a half bourbon, half rye. If I can materialize that. Oh, oh right in front of you. And I will there. There we go. There we go. There's a yeah. camera. There's a nice. camera. Uh, and this is, uh, it's actually quite nice. I'm not having it with a block of ice or an ice ball or an ice sphere because I keep it real like that. <laughs> yes. And just to, just to, in time to join Correct. us for a toast. Oh, hey, there hey, he is. There he is. All right. So <laughs> normally you're doing your half rye. Uh, I've, I've got a Trumer Pilsner. So, uh, cheers to Aww. you. Cheers to our audience for joining us. And then, yes. uh, this, this dude who just showed up, uh, Rod Roddenberry, welcome to the show. Cheers. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yes, cheer. I didn't, I, I forgot I was supposed to bring a beverage. I came totally unprepared. You never read my memos. No, I, I did not read the memo. I did not read the memo. <laughs> Well, wow. hey, look, uh, uh, hi to you, first of all. I feel like I haven't seen you in Love your background. Well, I, I'm, at, I'm at Quark's at the Experience. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on a, I'm wow. on a decommissioned uh, Constitution class starship. That's in, <laughs> that's in the deck. I was, I was just listening to Crossfire and heard you guys talking about each other's backgrounds, or at least mentioning the, the green oh, screen. Cool. Right. So, a bit behind, as you can tell, as usual, but I'm, I'm always catching up. That's all right. Hey, uh, look, uh, I, hi to you, Rod, but, but hi to the people who are in the chat right now. I do want to yeah. say hi because it, it's just a cracking crowd. They're awesome. There's Carlos or Scott Palm. Uh, there's Chris Riker. There's, uh, and of course, I love this Chris Riker and a few other people. As soon as we started talking about the topic tonight, they mm. just yell, the women, the women, because, of course, <laughs> because we're going to talk about the cage. We're going to talk about Pike. There's Eric. There's Aaron Bias. There's Dan Madsen. I, I haven't seen hey, Dan, Dan in wow. forever. So yeah. hi to you, Dan. That's hey, awesome. Dan. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Joyner. Uh, I haven't hey, seen Chuck. him forever. Really uh, had hoped to see him in Vegas this year. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's uh, Brian Hart, Brian Von Soffel, uh, Tate, uh, uh, let's see here, John Arminio, who I was just emailing with. I have to say that one of the nice things about this uh, stay-at-home order is that I've had time, because I'm pretty much just at my home desk all day long, uh, so in between like working on shows and stuff, I have been answering a crazy amount of, amount of email, and what I'll do is I'll search for like a topic that maybe we did a while ago, and then I'll find a great email from two years ago. And I'll be like, oh, my God, I, I need to flag this because it's such a great point about this thing. And I'll write back to that person and be like, uh, hey, from two years later, thanks for your comment. <laughs> and <laughs> so thanks for staying a, with us. <laughs> right, yeah. So I was talking to John Arminio today, who's been working on a podcast called Film 89. They're covering some great topics there. Um, and John always has fantastic insights. He's another person who I apologize. We can't get to every comment, but I love Yeah, you guys them. always say you may use a comment. You may use their comment on the show. And I don't hear that many. I'm sure you guys get tons of comments. I know yeah. you can't do them all, and I'm not complaining. I almost feel like you guys should do like a comment episode. I know every now and then you'll do a supplemental that gets into yeah. it, 
but I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, this is not producer. This is fans saying like, yeah, yeah. probably do more comment shows. Oh, dude, that is coming. In fact, know, funny uh, you should mention that, Rod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we're working on exactly that, and I think that'll be probably more of a regular thing because the the comments are great. And I think when you do catch up, Rod, you know, the last few episodes that we've done have generated some uh, not you know not angry, but but some interesting counterpoints and contentious Good. discussion. Good. So, yeah. Good. As long as everyone's got a level head and everyone's talking from a place of logic and reason, that's yeah. great when there's conflicting points of view. I'm very curious when you catch up, when you get to our discussion on hard time, which just came out this past week, mm-hmm. um, because that I, I'm still trying to figure out how I sort of reconcile that show in the world of Star Trek. And, okay. and I think the people who really feel strongly about that show and really identify and connect with that show I think they're all correct. You Don't know, say anything really, else because I haven't no. ever seen it and I haven't seen it yet. So, I mean, I'm, I'm cool. Now, well, now I'm excited. I, I know that that will be a point of discussion when we do our feedback show uh, yeah. for sure. You so, know what, though, John, um, in, the, in the comments for that on, on Facebook, we've had like just a lot of really constructive comments, you know, either yes. critical constructive or yeah. positive constructive. But, you know, John, um, Rod, one of the things that I told you that I really wanted to do uh, and, and maybe even kind of instigate uh, when I came on is just to make sure that everyone's getting a chance to, to, mm-hmm. to speak their voice, to express what they want to express. Because there's a lot of really serious feelings about that one particular episode, probably more so than anything that we've done. I'm looking at the comments totals on Facebook. That one is really ranking high, but that's just because a lot of people just really feel strongly about it. And I think that's great. And I think that you should express exactly what you want to say and feel. There's nothing wrong about anything that you're saying, just as long as you don't do a drive-by, you know, you guys are terrible or something like that. You know, it's like... Yeah. Foster foster that conversation. It's it's amazing when when people just really like just write paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of how they feel. Yeah. Right, right. I love it. I love it. Hey, um, re- really quickly, uh, uh, half measures. Uh, that would be the half measures podcast that we had the pleasure of uh, being guests on not that long ago. Uh, so I imagine that's Paul chatting there. He said, "Let's start a petition. We want the comment episode. You are absolutely <laughs> getting one." And uh, Steve Sheridan says, "I think that was a subtle hint from your producer. No, no subtlety <laughs> about it, Steve. Nudge, uh, nudge, it's nudge, definitely nudge. coming." Now, I actually I started that document about a week ago, and I'm just starting to plug in like sort of topic by topic and and how we'll dig through it so it'll it, it'll be good and then uh hopefully some announcements to be made in that episode as well uh some stuff that a uh, friend of the show chase masterson is working on so uh-huh, a lot uh-huh. coming a lot coming please stay tuned um guys we we've been beating around the bush here uh i know that everybody in the audience and and the three of us we want to talk Pike. And I have to say, they, look, there were yeah. a lot of people who wrote to us in the interim who said, you got to come back. Like while I'm staying at home, I look forward to my Monday night talking to my Trek pals and uh, Helen Woods, uh, just specifically to name one, sent a really lovely message on uh, our Facebook page saying, I love you guys. Uh, thank you. Please come back. And I can't wait to see you on Monday. So That's Helen, great. shout out to you specifically. Um, thank you, Helen. Yeah, I mean, this This has been a, a heck of a week. The, this announcement for Pike seemingly came out of nowhere. And when I say Pike, mm-hmm. I mean Strange New Worlds. <laughs> seemingly came out of nowhere, 
but nothing in TV actually comes out of nowhere. This has been a long no. time coming. No. Um, I want you, Rod, to take us back to the earliest murmurings of sure, the- sure, yeah. sure. Well, and to be honest, I wasn't necessarily part of the earliest murmurings. Um, you know, uh, Anson Mount. Um, when I saw him as Pike, you know, I wasn't sure how to feel about Pike. You know, there. there I, I'm 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 46 years old. I, I'm I'm not an old dog, but I'm not a young buck anymore. Uh, sometimes stuck in my ways. You know, just like the original series guys were like, when Next Generation came out, it's, there's nothing's going to replace the original series. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit like that with Next Generation. You know, no one's going to take me away from Next Generation. Right. But then I saw uh, Anson Mount's portrayal of Pike. And, you know, at that moment, he became my second favorite captain. And I only say second because Picard is, is still my number one. Uh, TNG Picard, but he he became number two, and I know I'm going to get booze from all of you because that throws uh, uh, Kirk. I don't know where Kirk is. He's three, four, or five. And listen, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I just sure. wouldn't necessarily yeah. feel safe on a starship with him. Um, right. uh, so um, I, I loved his portrayal. I loved his opening monologue when he got on a bridge and addressed the crew, and he did it in such a humble, respectful, yet um charismatic way and and that's how i think that's what i think a true leader is there's leaders out there who say you need to lead lead with force and you need to even if you don't know you need to pretend you do know because everyone needs that that sort of reassurance that the captain knows i think the way ensign did it and and the way they wrote him really it's it's the actor it's the writers it's the producers it's everyone who who made this character I mean, likable is an understatement. Um, yeah. I, I want to follow him. I would follow him into battle, or, or hopefully not into battle, just into discovery. Um, well, I, anyhow, I, yeah, that, that's, I, I want to talk a little inside baseball here, though, because sure. that, that, that's really where I'm interested. It's like, okay, discovery is in production for however long it takes to knock out a season, you know, uh, mm-hmm. six months plus, whatever, and then the show finally goes on, and you're waiting for audience reaction. But is it sort of like as that show is unfolding, as the audience is seeing it, suddenly they and the writers, producers and people behind the scenes are going, oh, wow, wait, we really have something here with this Pike character. Or or was even before that, just seeing him on set, realizing, oh, wait, this might be the next thing. I can tell you from my point of view, and I don't have a bird's eye. I'm not on set every day. I'm not. But I can tell you cast and crew and everyone loved Anson and loved his, his portrayal and his acting and thought he was spectacular. I, I didn't hear, doesn't mean it wasn't happening. I didn't hear anyone saying, you know, after the shooting was done of season two and after it came out that uh, we got to do something with this pipe. Doesn't mean they weren't planning it. I just didn't hear that. What, what I did hear was from the fans. Um, and, and one of my close friends, uh, Jules, you know, uh, called me up and told me you, you've got, he, he called me up. And proactively said, you've got to do something with this. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. You know, and I came, gave him another watch. And, <laughs> you know, I, I started to see it and I started to read it on all the messaging boards. And I, I just saw this sort of push for him. And uh, I really sort of agreed with it and talked to Trevor. And, and we went in and we actually had a meeting at Secret Hideout uh, with Alex and, and, uh, and Michelle and, and uh, the, the writers at the, the show there. And we, 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 I, I am not taking credit by any stretch. Um, it, it was in your face. 
you had to be blind not to see that the fans were really excited to see more of Pike. And so we, we mentioned it and we pushed it a little bit. And, and uh, I, I think, I think we were one of the many who came to them and said, you have to do a spike, uh, a Pike thing. You've got to do a Pike mm-hmm. series. You got to do something with Pike. He's too good to let go. And it was, I almost want to say days later or a week or two later that Alex actually curbed me and he said, you got your wish. We're going to do a Pike series. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it didn't mean it could have been three episodes, could be six episodes, but now it's been, now it's a full, full blown series, which nowadays, sure. I don't know if it's going to be 10 or 15, but it's sure. more than three or six. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah. you know, you, you go back to Comic-Con last year. So end of July, 2019, and everybody's in there in hall H and, and, uh, Alex is being a little coy, like, Oh, I don't know. Do you think you want more Pike? <laughs> you yeah. know? Just like, all right, come on. Come on now. <laughs> this, this is going well, to he knew he had it and he had the audience yeah. there. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um nice. but it was it was really exciting to to hear that. And uh you know it's funny, I still haven't met him. I've I've just never been there at the same time. Because yeah. I'm it's shot up in Toronto and I'm not up there. I I go up there once, maybe twice a season. Um, so I still haven't met the guy, but I, I hear he's fantastic and, and I can't wait to see him. Cool. Um, yeah. you know, it's funny that you mentioned that maybe Kirk, you know, the original series was not your track. You're a next gen guy and we all kind of find, you know, different characters and, and stories that we connect with and identify with in Star Trek. But, there was a funny comment on our Facebook page that I think I, I want to take seriously here for a minute. Evan said 55 years from pilot to series pickup, of course, referring <laughs> to the cage. And here we are in 2020. And then the announcement that that Strange New Worlds Pike is uh, the, the series that we're going to get. There is something kind of weird and wonderful about that when you think, okay, this is actually the story that Gene Roddenberry pitched. This is the Star Trek that he was scribbling down in 1964 that the network said yeah. no to. And then we got little yeah. tastes of that here and there, and like you know Bruce Greenwood being in the movies. And yep. uh, the, in my head, it's almost like everything else, everything since then has been the spinoff. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and now we're yeah. actually going to see. That's funny. That's a really is a little more resembling what your dad wrote. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, I, I actually didn't think of it that way, but uh, that's really really interesting. Um, yeah, and, and you know, of course, everyone loves Spock, so you're going to get uh, Ethan Peck back as Spock, and he uh, he's another person who I've met but I haven't spent any great time with. And everyone on set, from what I hear, loves him because he's a he's just a fun, outgoing guy. Whereas uh, Anson, and not to put anyone in a box and say this is the way they are. These are just impressions that people have told me. Um, uh, Anson is a little bit more reserved. Still a great guy, just uh, just uh, not as uh, as boisterous from what I hear as uh, as Ethan Peck is. So anyhow, um, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to this happening. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to them, as they've been saying in a lot of the uh, press releases going out, they're getting into more of the optimism. So uh, I've read a first script, and I, I think they're doing a really good job with the first script. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where they really go. Is this, 
it was a struggle, right? I heard them saying like, okay, well, we're, we're going to do Star Trek, but we don't want to do the same thing again. We don't want a crew and a ship and they're going from planet to planet solving problems because, you know, we've done that. We've seen that for 20 plus years, well, 50 years technically. Yeah. Um, so we want to do something different. And that's how Discovery came about. Uh, are they going back to that formula? And I'm not going to say anything one way or the other because um, I don't know for certain. I can tell you what the first, well, I won't tell you. But I could tell you what the first script's like. Um, off air, off air. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, having Spock, having a captain like that, uh, having a crew, and getting back to real discovery and exploration, and and ethics and morals. You know, I, I want I want my son to have my experience, which is when I'd go to conventions or or go around, and people would hear the last name Roddenberry they'd say something about how Star Trek inspired them, how Star Trek made them believe in themselves or humanity or a better future um, or, or got them to see their current predicament as something that they can rise above and get out of. And it gave them hope. And I look forward to me, but also my son, hearing that about Star Trek uh, again with this new Pike series. Well said. Hey, um, there's a few questions here in the chat that I want to run through real quick. Um, And uh, some of these you may not know, but uh, Rick uh, asked something that I've heard other people ask, and it might be way too early to even know this. But he says, will Gene Roddenberry get a creator's credit? Um, Which is an interesting question. I, I can't remember how it's phrased now, if it's phrased now based on Star Trek by Gene Roddenberry, but technically, Pike, number one, Spock, yeah. Jose Tyler, Dr. Boyce, these were all created by Gene Roddenberry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, call I, your lawyer. I, I don't and, know. Uh, it's all part of a negotiation. <laughs> I can tell you it's all part yeah. of a negotiation. So uh, uh, based on Star Trek created by Gene Roddenberry, I think is what they've said in the past. Um, I, I don't know. You know, we, we'll look at that. We'll look at that. Yeah. So... Again, he 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 may have come up with a character. Listen, I think those of you out there know Star Trek was certainly a collab. The, the the bulk of it, the meat of it, certainly came from my father, the philosophy. But I mean, he he got ideas from other shows, and he was a reader, and he read things. So everything's a collaboration. The ideas came from many places. I'm not trying to knock my father down necessarily, but I also don't want to put him up on the pedestal as the sole person who came up with everything Star Trek. You guys have heard me say this before. So this new Star Trek, it'll use Spock, it'll use Pike, um, but it will still be a new Star Trek. Uh, so, so uh, you know, based on Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, based on Pike, created by Gene Roddenberry, uh, I, I feel like that's good. That, that works, but we'll see. <laughs> All right. Based on the novel, uh, based on the show, based on the movie, based on what your dad came up with. I get based, it. Yes. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. I, just speaking kind of generally, I mean, um, it, it, I think you spoke to it a little bit already saying this is the experience that you want. You, you want this sort of inspirational, aspirational look at morals and ethics. And, you know, you, you've mm-hmm. talked about that mm-hmm. many times about people coming up to you when you're a kid and people saying your father's show changed my life and really trying to wrap your head around that. But more specifically, is there anything that you want out of this show, you, you know, in terms of 
the kinds of storytelling, in terms of, I, I don't know, a, a, anything, anything that you're particularly invested in with this show? You know, nothing until you just said that. And this is uh, a, kind of a joke, but it's also kind of true. Um, <laughs> I want someone at Space Force to look at the new Pike series and <laughs> say, let's do that. Let's do that. I want it to be so inspirational, so optimistic. I want them to say, we don't need a super duper missile. Space should be off limits to military. It needs to be something of exploration. You know, a hybrid military exploration group. We're not setting up things up there to blow people out of the sky or to shoot back at ourselves. We're, we're, put, we're sending people out there to grow, learn, and explore. Um, that's, that's For the last 10 seconds of what you just said, that's what came to mind. Um, no more Space Force. Let's do uh, space exploration. That's, that's all I can think of. You know, John, one of the things that I thought was interesting about them going back to um, kind of like seeding the idea of going back to the original series and, and Captain Pike and the crew of the Enterprise before the Enterprise that we know is that I think a lot of fans, and if I, if I may say this, I'm, I'm going to take a leap of faith here. A, a lot of fans felt like they wanted to see what the original series would look like with a modern production aesthetic. because. Right. One of the things that I think that a lot of fans like really gravitated towards is that when they saw the Enterprise, the NCC-1701, when they saw it at the end of Discovery Season 1, they said, okay, this is the kind of hybridization of production that we wanted to see this entire time. I'm not knocking the, the 2009 Abrams universe, but there's a certain look that people want to see in this particular era of going back to this uh, you know, quote-unquote prequelization of the original series. They want to see the original series just done with this modern production aesthetic. It's kind of like what the NXL1 looked like in Enterprise. You know that it's supposed to look like that. It's not supposed to look like, you know, with no disrespect to Matt Jeffries, because the original Matt Jeffries Enterprise is one of my favorite designs of all time. Mm-hmm. But there is a certain look with the Aztec type of uh, plating and the armor and, and the way that the bridge looks now that is going to give Star Trek fans the the refresh that they want with this original series aspect of this more aspirational, explorational type of of feel that we want. And and for me, uh, there's there's something to be said about at the end of every episode, you should feel like your morals have been at least challenged, if not questioned. Have we done the right thing? Were those decisions made? Did they advance humanity or did they set us back? Or did they challenge something in humanity that we knew was there, but we were trying to get past? You know, that, that was always yeah. something that was very aspirational about the original series. It was, did we do the right thing? Should we have taken the dilithium from the Hawkins? You know, or right. did Archer do the right thing? Should we have stolen that warp drive technology from the Illyrians? Was that right or was that wrong? Is humanity forward? Is humanity first? Or are our ideals first in protecting what we, these strange new worlds and these new alien races that we meet? And at the very end of it, you should be like, wow, I didn't really think about it that way. And then talk about it. For That's an- what I like. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And, I didn't you know, think about it that way. I, I think in in uh, and it is a Pike story essentially, but in Discovery uh, season two, episode two, New Eden, that I, that was my favorite episode of that season because it was look, Pike 
on a planet with a decision to make about the fate of these people. And they did start to explore some interesting ideas about faith versus science, about what the right thing to do is there. That was the type of story that I wanted to see. And I felt like Anson's embodiment of that character, Pike, going into that was the perfect person to to kind of rest those questions on, you know? It, It was really quite brilliant, you know? And in Um, the end, while he holds the Federation and Starfleet's guidelines true, he has to make a decision on the spot because not every situation fits into the mold of Starfleet and the Federation. So taking everything into account, he does what he believes based on the all the information he's gotten from from the planet, from the crew. He makes the best decision he can, the most informed decision he can that's in the interest of the people. Um, And that's that's what an ultimate captain should do. That's what Picard did. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't follow the rules to a T. Mm-hmm. Had to adapt and had to use his judgment. Anyway, I, I yeah, you said no, it. No, I mean, Rod, I agree with you on that. And what I think is great about Anson is that Anson has this great kind of on-screen empathy that is uh, it's very disarming to his leading man looks. You know, like you would think that he would just kind of like stride onto the set and be like, okay, I'm the captain because I'm this very good looking, very confident, very, just very striking looking figure on the bridge. But what's great about what he brings, his presence, is that he's very introspective. He understands Mm -hmm. that this is the Starfleet guideline. This is the book that he has to follow. But at the end of the day, very much like every other captain, maybe aside from Kirk, because, and I love Kirk, Kirk's my favorite captain, but, you know, Kirk is the cowboy diplomacy captain. Every other captain after that is, Mm -hmm. if I make this decision, what does it do? What are the repercussions of it as it ripples outwards from my particular moral stance? Kirk never really thought about that. No, no. (laughs) No, that's what Spock was for. He'll never see that planet again. But that's what Spock was for and Spock and and, uh, and Bones. And maybe in the strange new worlds when we're seeing like more of this type of – the dynamic between Spock and and Rebecca as number one, you'll see Spike get that kind of triumvirate, that that dynamic where Spock is coming from a point of uh, a growing logical presence because he's not the Spock that we know. You know, he's not Leonard Spock. You know, he's a he's the women Spock. You know that Spock. <laughs> but number one, though, is I think in, in in my opinion is the resource that really needs to be tapped because first of all, a strong woman character. From the if we're if we're supplanting or um, placing the the template of the original series on top of this, we need that strong woman character to kind of break the mold of this is not the original series. Yeah, part two, right? Yeah. This is a completely new thing where Pike really leaned on number one. His number one makes the name far more valid and valuable than people realize. Uh, Uma, it's Uma, right? That's Una. Una, Una. Una. Yeah. So Una will challenge him at every at every angle because that's what a good number one will do. And yeah. that's what's going to make Pike that far better captain until he reaches that point where he has to make the sacrifice and get exposed to the Delta radiation. I mean, when all that's happening. And, and that's something that I think that I want to ask both of you, knowing what Pike's fate will be because we've seen the menagerie. Do you think that it's going to be difficult for the writers to kind of not box themselves into these situations where you know that the risk isn't going to be as subversive because you know that Pike's never going to risk himself to the point where it's going to be life-threatening? You know, mm. that, that's a tough thing. 
to do with these types of stories? Because you know, ultimately, his demise is going to happen from the Delta radiation exposure, not from anything else. So that's the tough thing about prequels is that you know that these characters are going to survive up to a point, which leads the character of, say, like a number one or some of the other characters, like a Dr. Boyce, uh, into the opportunity of being those characters that put themselves more at risk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Oh, go ahead, Rob. No, no, no. I'm just saying uh, I'm not giving anything away here. Um, You know, Pike might also consider that a future that isn't necessarily written in stone. Hmm. Now, we as the audience, (laughs) since (laughs) since they're not going to change canon, change what's been established, we know something different. But uh, Pike doesn't necessarily believe that that's written in stone. Um, and, and I'm not saying that again from any, I'm not giving away any story points here. So, so that may not be the case, but, uh, I think that's a fair way to go with it. Um, if I, in his shoes, I, I might choose to believe that things aren't written in stone and therefore who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like, um, first of all, as a character thing, you're right. I mean, Pike can go through what he's going through and, and but he also doesn't know. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The, the vision that he was given by the time crystal in discovery could just be like, Oh, well my, my fate is still open. I, I, I still might be able to rewrite my future. Uh, but for us, for the audience who's sort of playing the, the canon game in our heads, which I don't want to do, um, it, it honestly doesn't, take anything away from me. I'm interested in the story, not necessarily that the captain is in mortal danger every week. Watching 1966 Star Trek or watching 1987 Star Trek Next Generation, I knew that the principals in the cast were not going to die from week to week, you know, Uh, just because that's the way shows are made. I'm okay with suspending disbelief long enough and that just like in a James Bond movie I know that James Bond is not going to die he might get roughed up uh but I'm not worried that that something is going to completely derail the story now it's very interesting to consider the fact that we don't know number one's fate we don't know Dr. Boyce's fate there's Jose Tyler there's Yeoman Colt there's a lot of other people on that enterprise who we might be emotionally invested in. And really the, the drama isn't necessarily about what happens to them, but about Pike and the others reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of room to play here. And that actually goes back to a, a question that somebody had in the chat. Somebody said, when does it take place after discovery? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's concurrent with Discovery, which is at this point about 10 years pre-TOS. So you, you've got that time, and then it was getting into TOS that we learned of Pike's fate. So look, even if everything was the same day-to-day concurrent concurrent with production and with the storyline, you got 10 years worth of Pike stories <laughs> that you could yeah. tell yeah. before he ends up, uh, you know, at his fate on Talos 4, the return to Talos 4. So that's... Uh, I mean, I, I think the most important thing, and I think that I think we can all agree on on this, is that if if they do a great job in making all of us find a character or characters that we want to watch from week to week and we identify with, that's the most important thing. Sets are great. Production is great. Space battles are great. But at the very end, if we don't feel or connect with the characters 
then that's an opportunity that's lost because that's that's why we come back week to week. We want that captain or first officer or cook or doctor. We want that person that we see through the lens of of their character and who we identify with, with somebody who's like, you know what? I'm being represented in some way in this show. And if I can get that and it's meaningful to me, and that character goes on a journey or on an arc, or at least, you know, at least contributes to the overall mission. And that's something that's really important. And at the very end, like I said, when you turn off the TV, that episode should be like, wow, I never really considered that idea. And, and you type and, and you kind of internalize that and make that part of you. You make that your own. And it makes yeah. you, it just makes you a better, not, not necessarily a better person, but it, at least it challenges your beliefs and it, it allows you that opportunity to say, you know what, maybe there's something I should think about differently. Yeah, Norman, I love I love what you're saying. And I know, uh, it, and it makes me think of a discussion that, well, at least John and I have had, you guys have had. So um, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to bore the audience, but I still find it fascinating today. They got nowhere to go around. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Captive audience. And it really has to do. It has to do with what Star Trek is this? What? What? Who are? Who's our crew? What kind of humans are they at this point? And you were bringing up the idea of the audience identifying with a character. And for me, I, I always sort of use the idea of Deep Space Nine versus Next Generation. And I'm sorry to use the word versus. They're both wonderful shows. Um, but in Next Generation, you had a crew, you had humans who, listen, I'm, I'm going to use these broad statements. I'm sure we can get into the weeds on what's accurate and not, but are, are better humans than we are today. I use the word better because mm-hmm. they live in a time where there's there's uh, abundance of, of uh, health and technology and education and, and food and, and and so everyone's got equal opportunity and has been brought up to have a, a pretty um, optimistic view of, of the universe. Um, so you've got a crew there that works together and collaborates and uh, really doesn't very often fight amongst themselves. Then you've got Deep Space Nine. Now I understand Deep Space Nine isn't um, simply the Federation. There's a bunch of, uh, of, uh, of uh, aliens in there. Um, but a lot of people identify with those characters more because they show more of the personalities that we all have today um, where we're sometimes reactionary or we're emotional or we get angry or we, whatever it is, you know, we're, we're certainly not perfect today. And I'm not saying next gen is perfect. I'm just saying we're all flawed, including, and especially myself. Um, and so it's easy to identify with a character who, who reacts in a way you're like, yeah, that would piss me off too. Of course. I, I right. totally get that character. Whereas yeah. when someone yells at uh, Picard, he's like, well, let's analyze that. You know, <laughs> that's a harder thing to do. Anyhow, all of this is to say, who's our crew? Who's going to be the, is this crew going to be that crew that uh, we can identify with more because they are perhaps more emotional and they do react rather than act more often? Or is this going to be slightly more refined? Are, are they going to be a little bit more of the next gen uh, a crew that works together and doesn't bicker and argue and and uh, disagree with each other's decisions. So I, I I'm really excited to see are we on one side, the other, or in the middle? And in the middle makes the most sense. But sure. we'll see. Um, I, I got just one more question for you, Rod. Because uh, you you probably got to run, or I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe you yeah, don't have anywhere right, to go. I, I got to. 
Get the mud off my shirt. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but you know, you brought it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, are, I know you can't say anything about it uh, because a those decisions have not been made yet. But but it's crazy to me. Like the number one question that I see online, you want to who's going to play Boyce? Who are we going to have as Boyce? Yeah. And and a lot of people are saying, you know, Jeffrey Combs as Boyce just makes mm-hmm. sense. I even saw somebody say Peter Capaldi. Uh, from Doctor Who, which I I, I kind of love as well. Um, I, I I don't know. Are, are you uh, are, are you kind of holding out hope for anybody special for any of these you know known and loved but yet unseen roles? Like we got so little of these characters back in the day. Thank, thank you for thinking that I know that amount of information on this. I don't. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I do not know even who they're thinking of. Um, and I and I can I can drop one thing, but it's not going actually it's not going to be dropping anything. I know they're uh, looking at casting another character that everyone knows and loves. That uh, well, crap! I can't even drop a hint, can I? <laughs> well, there'll be a yeah yeah. I got nothing. I said nothing. Yeah um, yeah yeah yeah. But don't worry, they're looking at some good characters that you guys all know and love that uh, will probably make an appearance, and they're trying to find. The right actor, actress, maybe for this person. So you heard it there exclusively on Mission Log. <laughs> Rod did not say anything that would lead you to speculate about anything at all about the I upcoming didn't. series. And all the attorneys I could, I have a collective could, sigh. <laughs> with that comment, I could run for office. There you go. Yeah, Earl, <laughs> Earl just texted. He said tonight's episode brought to you by the letters N, D, and A. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah so i should have um, thought about that before i opened my mouth yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh we all gotta wait we all gotta just uh, sit tight until production can gear up again which i i mean look honestly i i, I don't know mm-hmm. production mm-hmm. is at a shutdown right now do you know actually they're talking about shooting that here or in uh toronto like they do Start, uh, uh well um, i actually don't know if it's public yet so i do know and i don't know if i can say anything because i'd hate to uh i hate for the wrong people to hear so um uh, but I can say, um, well, it's not saying anything. Um, Star Trek was very lucky when this all happened. Um, most of the principal photography was, was done on season three. Um, it is making post-production, of course, difficult. But I mean, it, it wasn't the middle of the season. So, um, and, and uh, Picard season two is nowhere near, well, I don't want to say nowhere near, but it's nowhere near shooting yet. So. Sure. Uh, it does make it hard for everything to pick back up, but um, Star Trek will be there. I mean, yeah, I hate to be so nonchalant about it, guys. There's been a ton of Star Trek. There will always be Star Trek. Sure, it's difficult, but everyone, all the teams are still working hard. They're figuring out ways around it. It's not like they're going to be shooting episodes in people's living room, but they'll 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 get it back on as soon as they can. Might be a delay, but uh, you know, that's how it goes. Now, Rod and John in, in the audience, I wanted to ask you something that's it's kind of like a, um, a debatable point right now on social media. Would you rather see Strange New Worlds return as a serialized format or an episodic format? Because serialized is the way that Picard and Discovery have gone, where you have a very like consistent arc and a thread that just kind of moves through every single episode. 
but one of the things that was the strength of, of the original series was being an episodic format where, you know, you had kind of like your moral of the day and how the characters reacted to that and the, uh, the exploration of that moral. And then again, when you turn off the TV, you're, you just, you're done with that story and you're thinking about what did I learn and how's that going to affect me? So sometimes serialized stories are fantastic, like the way they do it in Deep Space Nine, but sometimes episodic formats just lend towards allowing you to to marinate in in the point that's being made in that episode. Oh, I, 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 I honestly know. don't know the answer. So go ahead, John. Oh, I, for myself, I, I know hands down I want episodic, but I want episodic with continuity. So, yeah. uh, you know, TOS was episodic, but it was built in such a way that nobody remembered from one week to the next what they had just done. Um, and, and I know that that's partly sort of the nature of the beast of production at the time. Everything was going to get rerun and aired out of order and go into syndication. So that's just sort of the nature of how it was made. I want stories that you can digest on their own, where we can watch it and talk about it and not just have to wait and say like, oh, okay, well, they're going to wrap that up five weeks from now or a year from now. I, I'm, I'm kind of burnt out on that, to be quite honest. But within that world, I want continuity. I, I, I want to know that there are things that pay off about the characters or about the world that they're building that don't necessarily have to be handed to me all in one episode or all in two episodes. So I guess what I'm saying is I want all of the above. <laughs> I, want, I want my cake and to eat it too. But but honestly, uh, a return toward uh, a leaning toward episodic is really what I want. Rod, any yeah. thoughts? No, I'm, 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 I'm in agreement, and uh, uh, I, I can't tell you which way they're going yet because I, I literally do not know, although I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure we're all going to be pretty happy. Let's just put it that way. In the sense that I, I, for them to do purely episodic doesn't make sense. And for them to do um, 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 a, a continuing story without wrapping things up, at least a little, um, doesn't make sense. So, yeah, God, my answers are just so right down the <laughs> middle, aren't they? I, I, listen, I, I, I know the game now. I know what I can and can't say. And often I can't say anything. Often I don't know a lot. Um but I'll tell you, I'll, I'll make a little bit more of an effort this year to figure out uh, if I can let a few cats out of the bag. Just all right, just for the sake of, of not having to get on the here with you guys and, and tell you nothing. Well, we'll so hold it to you. Yeah. The, acronym, the acronym for this new series is going to be Star Trek NDA. Yes. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Rod, go, for God's sake, put on another shirt and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, All thanks, right, Rod. Take care. Good live long and prosper, everyone. Cheers. Take care. Take care, man. Um, that was awesome. That that was such fun. Uh, let, let's see here. I, I let's see. Eric says I thought they pretty much said it will be exactly what John wants. Well, I I hope nobody asked me though, Eric, except for Rod just now. Nobody has asked me. So, um, but if so they you haven't signed that, any NDAs yet, I have not signed any NDAs. Okay. So, <laughs> um, and Rhea says John wants the best of both worlds. I see. You want your cellular there. peptide cake to eat I it too, do, right? with men yeah. frosting. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, look, so that was cool. Um, anything that you particularly want out of the show? And what do you want? Do you want episodic or do you want serialized or what, where do you land? Well, I mean, I think that there is a, there's a nice blend of both. And I think that uh, the writing team, whoever the writing team is going to be, you know, is going to be very challenged uh, coming from the standpoint of 
what story do we want to tell? It really depends on what they want to do with the story and what the arc is going to be. Say, for example, Star Trek Voyager, the the A-line, the true A-line of that Star Trek series is trying to get home. That's the arc, is trying to return back to the Alpha Quadrant. Everything after that is just either a B or C story. So what is going to be the main story of Star Trek, um, Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds? What do they want to do and what's going to be the purpose? What is Pike going to do and what's going to be the purpose? What is their exploration? What is their, you know, what is their goal? Or is there going to be a goal? Because Starfleet at this time is still kind of like in a, in a fairly experimental state. Star Trek The Next Generation was let's go out and kind of reinforce the fact that we need to protect the civilians and all of these different colonies of the Federation. But at this time, Star Trek is still, I mean, the Federation is still exploring. They're still mm-hmm. trying to find allies. They're still trying to find the way to expand the Federation's influence. And, and uh, in doing so, try and establish relationships with alien races and cultures and belief systems that they aren't familiar with or comfortable with. And that's the most fascinating thing because in the original series, when they try and deliberate and try and break down what they're doing with an alien culture, we see that in real time as what are they saying that's trying to influence us? What are they saying that's trying to change our minds or at least see a different worldview? Yeah. And what Star Trek has always done in the best possible form of Star Trek is to take what's happening in a modern sensibility and use science fiction as the analog to try and analyze that through the characters of that series. And if they do that correctly with Strange New Worlds, then it really is kind of like a return to the renaissance of the original series' spirituality. See, there you go. And by the way, I'm just I'm going to give you a shout out right here from uh, listener Paulina, who is watching. And she says, and I quote, I really like this Norm fellow. I like how you think, man. Well, that's the different norm. This is the norm with the mustache. She's a completely different <laughs> that's, person. That's Mira Norman. Yeah, this yeah. is Mira Norman. Um, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate yeah. that. And, I, and, and thank you for that, that vote of confidence. Um, but I think that, you know, with in understanding every single different facet of Star Trek, one of the things that I think that we can all agree on as fans is that at the end of the day, again, I'm going to use that example of turning off the TV. Once that episode is over, you're compelled to talk to your group of friends, and in this case, social media. What did that say to me? And why? Why did that say that to me? Why did that affect me in such a way where it either brought me to laughter or brought me to tears or brought me to a realization that, you know what, in these X amount of years that I have been on this planet Earth, have I really been thinking about things the right way or have I not considered this alternate angle of my own existence? Yes. And I think that that's what Star Trek, when it's done right, it's probably the most fascinating internal study of who we are as individuals and as a people. Yeah. Or this could be just the bourbon talking. It could be. It could be. But by the way, you're getting more shout outs here. Uh, Paulina says, work the stash. Paul (laughs) says, loving the stash norms. So you're doing, you're doing well. Hey, um, 
I, I want to change. We just have a few minutes before we're going to sign off, but I, I want to change the conversation a little bit because we've been talking about Pike. We've been talking mm-hmm. about strange new worlds and what our expectations or hopes are. Uh, but look, we're, we're not going to be back every week. We're going to try to chime in, pop in uh, as we can. And thank you to everybody who has been downloading Mission Log. Uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters who have been chiming in. We're going to do a, a live hangout uh, an informal chat this coming Sunday morning. So uh, you can find all of the details at patreon.com slash mission log. Um, but look, one thing that I wanted to do since we're all uh, staying at home and, um, y- you know, we're, we're just, our, our lives are different. I want to turn this around on the audience for a little bit. And I want to ask them, like, what are you doing? What are you watching? What are you reading? How are you spending your time? And, and are you doing Okay. You know, so I'm going to give it a second here for that to show up um, in the chat for people to start writing into us. Norman, uh, what have you been watching? What have you been reading? What have you been doing? I have been watching a lot of Star Trek Voyager, to be honest with you. And I know yeah. I'm not going to jump the, the, the mission log timeline, but one of the things that was really important to me, just in terms of, of, of trying to find entertainment that I wanted to find, uh, or, or at least uh, label as valuable, is... If I'm going to talk intellectually about Star Trek on social media, then I really need to understand every single series as best I can. And we're doing Star Trek Deep Space Nine on on Mission Log, but that doesn't preclude me from studying other versions of Star Trek. And Star Trek Voyager is something I've never seen before. So I'm really having a ball of a time with that. As for reading, right now I'm listening to the audible production of Dune because I'm trying to get ready yes. for for the, the the Dennis Villeneuve motion picture because it really, I mean, dude, look at that. Brian Michael Warman says, the family just finished sci-fi miniseries version of Dune and Children of Dune. Dune is there, man. Dune ah, is like right now. It's going right? to it's like, the, it's like the hot topic right now because, it, you know, when you really think about it, like Dune is is some of the best like core Rosetta Stone science fiction that's out there. So, and uh, the um, the audiobook is fantastic. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm still trying to like work my way through Andromeda because Star Trek uh, Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda is mm-hmm. is something that I find fascinating, and I, I can't wait to see like how Star Trek Discovery is maybe interpreting that format. Maybe oh, interesting. Maybe maybe maybe. Um, interesting. But you know. Aside from that, though, it's it's really just enjoying working with you uh, on Mission Log and, and, and enjoy working with the fans and and, and listening to their comments uh, for for uh, all different types of levels of either positivity or critique. You know, right, because, of course. But it's I'm all about trying, conversation, man. And it is, yeah, yeah. You know what? To be honest with you, John, it's like it's really just trying to just live the best possible life that I can under the circumstances that we're in. And I yeah. don't think that, you know, I, like I said, like uh, what I love about doing Mission Log Live and uh, this doesn't stop here is that I love having the conversation about just trying to be a better person, you know, just trying to just mm-hmm. to do the right thing when the right thing is needed and trying to just reconcile with the fact that, you know what, this is life. The, the choices that I made today aren't going to be the choices I made tomorrow. And that's Star Trek, isn't it? Right. See? Exactly. Um, like you mentioned Voyager and a, a few people, Paulina and Mark, they're watching Voyager. They love Voyager. Um, Carlos uh, says that he is reading the Picard novel 
watching DS9 and other Netflix shows, uh, as am I. Uh, Michael Picard, old friend of mine, says um, he's editing his eighth science fiction novel and planning number nine. Wow. So, yeah. So uh, go check him out, Michael Picard. That's Picard with a K, P-I-C-K-A-R-D, no relation uh, that I know of to Jean-Luc. Um, uh, Monica says that uh, she binged Picard and Disco and Short Tracks. I, I kind of, I want to go back and watch the Short Tracks. I really enjoyed those. Uh, I thought they were a, a lot of fun. Um, oh, Nani, I'm so glad that Nani is here. Just finished teaching my classes, including my oh-so-favorite psychology of Star Trek class. Wow. I got to sit in on two of those. She is in Hawaii. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. I was doing everything over Zoom, and I got to sit in on a couple of those so cool and so mm-hmm. enlightening. And, and the premise was great. They would screen an episode and then the next week get together and each student had to pick out two psychological concepts that they felt like were illuminated or explored in the episode by a character or by a plot thread or whatever. It was it was mm-hmm. great. It was so cool. Uh, and I got to sit in on, uh, well, one of those is with my, so far, my favorite DS9 episode, uh, Duet. Yeah, so that was a great one uh, to be there. So hi, Nani. Great to see you here. Uh, Rhea says that uh, she is cooking like a crazy person. Mm. Me too. Yes. And I mm. love it. I, I just, that is one of my favorite things about this downtime is it, as much as I love going out and, and I'm kind of um, trying to deal with the fact that I can't go out. Um, I actually do really enjoy cooking. And uh, she says she is refining a recipe for a healthy, high protein Low-fat Oreos. Say what? <laughs> I want to know how this turns out. I want to know how this turns out. So let us know, Rhea. Please post the recipe. If it's a Real. success, you know, yeah. if it's not, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll uh, right. <laughs> Brian is uh, re-watching DS9 along with Mission Log. Thank mm-hmm. you, Brian. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just some, uh, uh, let's see here, a different Brian watching Farscape. Uh, Daniel rewatching awesome. Enterprise. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, this is cool. I mean, uh, oh, interesting. Steve, Steve Sheridan uh, started listening to Sean Carroll's Mindscape podcast, really broad in scope and covers many scientifically oriented topics very, fairly deeply. It's been going for a couple of years and I don't know how I missed it. Uh, that's cool. Uh, Steve very often has some great recommendations. So Mindscape podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, I have followed Sean Carroll before. So that's a great recommendation. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I tend, I've said it before on the show, I tend to listen to um, nonfiction when I'm not doing mission blog, you know, I kind of unwind with like science or history or, or biographies, that kind of thing. Let's see here. Brian says rewatching clone wars in other languages. Awesome. Clone wars is so good. Star Wars in Swedish is fun. I bet. That's awesome. Well, it's so cool to hear from everybody. And look, you know, the show doesn't just end here. Like, keep writing to us. Keep chiming in. Let us know how you're doing. And um, we're we're constantly working on Mission Log. We will pop in from time to time with the live show, but we'll be there for the Hangout. Um, we'll be there online and on email. Mission Log at Roddenberry.com goes to all three of us. Goes to me, to Norman, to Rod. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we hear you. We we read what you send in, even if we don't get back to all of it, or if it takes 
two or three years for me to get back to it. Well, you know, we know time is all there. relative, John. Time is not linear. It, it, it has no meaning now anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. Actually, you know, here's here's the funny thing. So, so Charlene and I, Charlene Schmidt from the Nerd Party Network, you know, she and I, she and I do a podcast called uh, the Zocalo Cast, and we were talking about uh, Star Trek Voyager's threshold, and I have created. So many levels of defense for that episode, and it goes all the way into quantum uh, quantum superposition, quantum evolution. <laughs> See, like, okay, in three years, when we get to threshold on Voyager, here, here's the recording session. It'll be, hi, welcome to Mission Log. I'm John Champion, and then I'm just going to turn off my mic, back away from the computer, <laughs> <laughs> just and, and let you go. Just let you run. That'll be it. I think that it's interesting coming from uh, the standpoint of not being in the the social media circles of Star Trek Voyager. I'm seeing it as I see it. I'm just taking what I see on the screen as verbatim and working with that, you know, and just just enjoying it. Um, You know, one of the things that that all of us, I think, that we just kind of like sometimes need to take take a step back from just in terms of our own uh, fandoms is that, you know, are, why are we doing it? Why are we watching it, rewatching it? Are we doing it to prove points? Are we doing it because the way that we ingest that content just makes us better people? You know, so sometimes, you know, like social media isn't like the greatest format in the world to have discussions. So not to push and not to make too much of a plug of it, but the kind of format that you're seeing John and I do here right now live is what we do on Patreon. And that's yeah. what, yeah, this is the experience. This is kind of like the Patreon experience that you're actually seeing on Mission Log Live tonight. So if you haven't joined us on Patreon, I highly suggest, if you like what we're doing as, as a format right now, I highly suggest taking a look at it and seeing if it's for you. Good call, man. And without being too commercial. So well done. <laughs> I'm like trying to it. walk that fine line. I, I know, right? It is yeah. a fine line. I, I, I felt even from the day we started doing it, I, I felt weird about mentioning Patreon, but it is cool. And we've tried to turn it into this unique kind of platform. So mm-hmm. uh, join us here if you can. If you can't, look, we'll, we'll be here for you too. True. Um so, yeah, look, uh, wow, we, we actually ran the hour. We ran over the yeah. hour. So uh, I will very quickly say thank you to everybody who uh, joined us here. Uh, Norman, again, cheers to you, my friend. I'm almost out of beer, so I guess it's time for the show to end. Uh, I'm, I'm almost out of uh, boar rye, bourbon rye, but yeah. just only in my glass, not necessarily in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to you. Uh, huge thank you to Earl for stepping in tonight. This is sort of unplanned, and uh, he just came in and, and knocked it out of the park, as he usually does. Big thanks to Rod, again, just uh, kind of without warning, saying, hey, we're going to do this thing tonight. And he joined us and spilled nothing. So his contract is still in place. Good for him. Yes, he was um, wonderfully ambivalent about everything. Wonderfully ambivalent. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to get him a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> uh, so look, Mission Log Live, we, we will be back periodically. Uh, we'll just do a little check-in like this. Uh, we'll definitely be back as we get closer to season three of Discovery. Uh, release date for that has not been announced yet. So hang on for that. Uh, again, Patreon Hangout, Sunday, May 24th at 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific. That'll be 1800 British Standard Time. For those of you who are overseas, because I know you are, and that is open to all donor levels. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by the inimitable Earl Green. 
Be sure to stop by and say hello to all the shows on Roddenberry Podcasts. That's at podcast.roddenberry.com. If you'd like to support us directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash missionlog. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We will talk to you again. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.